Hi, I'm John Frankie for SearchSAP.com. AMR recently published research that found the market for supply chain management applications grew 7% in 2006, and it's expected to hit $7.9 billion by 2011. Today we're joined by John Fontanella of AMR Research to talk about the SCM market. We'll discuss what's driving the growth, companies that are doing particularly innovative things, how SCM customers and potential customers can take advantage of the growing market, and, of course, about RFID. Thanks for joining us, John. Thanks, John. It's a pleasure. First off, if you could just give us a little background on AMR and a little bit more on your SCM research. I'd be glad to. AMR research, for for people that aren't familiar with us, um, follows the the technology market in in manufacturing and and supply chain. Um, We look at both on the business process side, best practices, work with uh, Fortune, the Fortune 1000 companies, and also look at relevant technologies that enables uh, companies to achieve uh, a very high level of performance. We do the study every year at Supply Chain Application Market Sizing Report. Um, we go out five years and look at where the market's been for the past year, grown, it's shrunk, and then um, project out and looking at the um, the areas of interest now and in the future that enterprises have for supply chain applications. Uh, market is good, particularly if you compare it to three or four years ago. We're forecasting revenue growth overall of about 5% in the supply chain market for uh, for the next five years. The supply chain market now is running at uh, $6.5 billion, which is a uh, fairly significant uh, size um, for uh, for enterprise software. It has a tremendous amount of interest. Biggest, largest growth areas are really in the small segments. Um, we're seeing inventory optimization, which helps companies decide where to put inventory, how much and, and where to put it, um, growing quickly, as well as network optimization. It's more than just transportation network optimization. Uh, the software helps companies decide where to put distribution centers, manufacturing sites, helps them make sourcing decisions, um, as well as uh, planned transportation routes. And we're seeing growth of that of around 40%. Again, this is a, it's a small segment, so um, it's not surprising with, with the kind of value these applications develop or, or provide uh, that it's widely accepted. We're also uh, ironically seeing in, in what was uh, a very stable market, growth in transportation management and warehouse management. Uh, I think this is an acknowledgement of many companies, particularly in warehouse management, um, replacing systems that, that um, were initially bought in the, in the 1990s, either initially bought or in a great many cases written by the companies themselves on transportation management, driver shortages, fuel costs, as well as an acknowledgement based on uh, you know, offshoring of, uh, of, of sources that uh, transportation networks um, in, in an efficient transportation network can contribute a great deal to the uh, to the overall efficiency of, of uh, a manufacturing operation, uh, you know, that it's, it's very worthwhile to, to invest in them, particularly when you look at the uh, transportation of many companies, which can range up to 6 or 7% of, um, of overall revenue. And how about SAP? How are they looking at SCM? SAP in particular uh, was uh, uh, a very small player, not highly regarded in this particularly on the supply chain execution uh, side, warehousing management, transportation management. For supply chain, 
they threw most of their energy towards uh, developing planning systems, and, and APO is probably uh, uh, the most familiar to uh, people that, that uh, are SAP users. Well, that's that's changed over the last two or three years. Um, they're in the process of developing very functional uh, transportation management system. Um, in fact, their uh, message to me is that they wanted to compete with um, best of breed, and, and they consider uh, their application development efforts successful if it's uh, widely sought after by third-party logistics companies, who are probably the toughest buyers in the world in terms of transportation management. Their warehouse management system already is um, is, is rapidly catching up to uh, many of the best of breed um, applications that we see on the marketplace. Um, very functional, including uh, labor management, wave uh, wave picking. Um, of course, it, it integrates easily into to barcode and RFID. Who are you seeing out there besides SAP vendors who are doing particularly interesting or innovative things? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it'll, it'll tend to be uh, the, the smaller vendors that are um, Developing software that's that's aimed at a particular um, area of the uh, of the of the supply chain. Uh, they're not attempting to be all things to all people. Uh, you know, we're seeing companies like uh, Logic Tools that was just acquired, um, uh, TXT Solutions, um, and on the on the service part side, very interestingly, MCA uh servogistics and that's that's a growth area that uh, has largely been ignored but uh, is starting to become uh companies are becoming more and more aware of the opportunities that exist on aftermarket sales software as a service is obviously gaining momentum in different areas of the enterprise is it also being considered more for supply chain management and is that a potential answer for people trying to get scm up and running Cheaply and quickly. Yeah, software as a service is. I think it's it's relevance and uh, really is according to uh, the application being used. We're certainly seeing software as a service rapidly adapted um, in in transportation management. As you would think, you know, transportation is just by nature um, decentralized, uh, spread over broad geographic locations, lots of partners, carriers, um, you know, shipping sites, customers. So it's it's a natural and very appropriate to see that deployed as software as a service. Um, other, we we do see some uh, uh, planning applications that again are, are um, provided as software as a service. What I'm seeing with with my end user clients, that's generally not the first criteria um, that they set for application supply chain application acquisition. What they're looking for, what's more important to them, is is functionality and and uh, and fit within their company. Software as a service, uh, you know, un- unlike four or five years ago when it was still a, a relatively new concept, um, companies are, uh, are are willing to at least listen to um, uh, you know, descriptions, or, or at least listening, or at least uh, are um, willing to to talk about discuss, uh, using software as a service rather than than buying a license. Um, and it, it's turned into a you know, very interesting proposition for companies. It's still not clear to, to us yet whether it's, over time, significantly cheaper than the license model. Uh, certainly payment schedules are, um, are very different. You, use the, you, you pay for the software as you consume it rather than uh, paying big upfront fees and then annual maintenance fees. So uh, software as a service definitely is a, um, 
is a growing trend. Um, I think we saw growth rates of about uh, 19% in 2006 of companies adapting that. Um, very often we'll see uh, most of the application developers within supply chain um, offering both uh, you know, both options, either buying it as software as a license or um, as a service. What we are seeing on, in companies that are still unwilling to accept uh, software as a service as a uh, as a model within their company are companies buying software through the traditional license model and then creating shared services within their company. So, for instance, installing a transportation management system behind a company's firewall and then you know, sharing that uh, application throughout the company and, and even with their trading community. So a little bit different, uh, more traditional pricing, but the, the deployment is very much uh, based on software as a service concept. So you mentioned people's buying criteria, and it sounds like you're saying specific functionality is more important than buying a suite from one vendor like SAP. Is that accurate? Uh that that it's becoming decreasingly important. Um, companies are more willing to uh, talk to discuss uh, buying best of breed software and integrate it into their ERP backbone. And in fact, you know, the the large ERP companies are encouraging that uh, with a NetWeaver strategy that SAP has, with Oracle's Fusion strategy. You know, both say that uh, uh, you know they they encourage their customers, at least on the surface, to uh, to buy best-of-breed software from their partners and, and integrated into uh, into the ERP backbone. Uh, there's there's still a large percentage of companies out there that would prefer to uh, buy all their software from one vendor. Um, you know, certainly cost of ownership issues, perceived integration costs um, encourage them to do that. But uh, again, we're, we're seeing more and more companies are becoming much more flexible in um, and that policy moving away from buying from uh, you know one suite vendor and, and in fact buying from several vendors. Now, is there a size or type of company that benefits more from a best of breed approach over a suite or vice versa? I, I think it's more the business model and how the company wishes to differentiate itself in the marketplace. I, I can think of many companies, for instance, that. Uh, want to differentiate themselves uh, through transportation. They deliver direct to the store. They deliver direct to the home. They've got very uh, complex uh, local routes, uh, scheduling requirements. A company like that would, would almost inevitably go with a, uh, a best-of-breed um, solution. And again, this, this is a major differentiator. Uh, the, the service they provide through this innovative transportation planning and execution um, would be considered in this company a, uh, uh, you know, a major differentiator in the market. Whereas other companies, much less complex, uh, their their networks are much more straightforward. And, and this is really regardless of size. They would tend to, to look at the ERP offering and even be willing to trade off um, some functionality for uh, perceived cost of ownership benefits. You mentioned RFID, and it's obviously been in the news for a couple years now. Is it really catching on now, and what should people look for? Uh, RFID is a, a reality today, and it's going to um, grow in adoption in, in the future. One of the, the big things that RFID is lacking and why we're not seeing you know, that rapid growth rate that we've all talked about is you know, there are two things. There's, there's very few applications out there in the market today that can take advantage of the, uh, the uniqueness that RFID offers. And I'll, I'll use this as an example. Uh, 
the idea of process automating human-directed activities, whether it's in the warehouse, could be in manufacturing, could be on um, the store floor. You know, think of uh, a store associate um, taking physical inventory every week or every month of the store shelves, and then think of that same scenario using RFID. If we had applications that encouraged that, that you could buy off the shelf, that you could implement and get value with quickly, we'd see a much... Uh, faster adoption of RFID. And in fact, um, we're seeing, particularly in apparel and footwear, a lot of activity using RFID, most still in pilots, but uh, there's there's some notable examples out there. Probably Marks & Spencer comes immediately immediately to mind in the UK where RFID benefits are, are demonstrated on a daily basis and sometimes unexpected benefits. And very often as you use the technology, it's unintuitive benefits. It's um, benefits you never expected, could never think of, but once using the technology, you realize. Um, in the future, uh, we'll, we'll see RFID, um, certainly in the pharmaceutical industry, it's going to be a, a, a big factor in meeting e-pedigree requirements. Uh, the California in 2009 have uh, established an, an e-pedigree uh, programs. I'm sure that we'll see other states do in the future. So RFID has a long uh, I believe, a very successful future. Uh, it's just taking some time to, to get off. One other thing about RFID, the, the second issue is collecting and aggregating that information. How do I turn that in, uh, the data or the information that I collect from RFID tags into something that creates value for my company? And we're only starting now. SAP certainly is, is one of the companies leading the effort to build data repositories, to build analytical tools um, that can take this kind of data and it, this great massive data and begin to, to use it to uh, help companies run their businesses better. And you mentioned some benefits of RFID, maybe unintuitive. Can you give us an example or two? Yeah, actually, it's, it's the, the unintuitive benefits are the benefits that never found their way into an ROI um, that you found by focusing on the process and by having more transparency in the process, you uh, um, it, the process performs better. And, and again, I'll, I'll use retail as an example, using RFID on the selling floor. Originally adapted to help locate footwear, and one retailer I'm thinking of, um, what they're finding is that they're, they've got a much better understanding of their stock status on the shelf. So, and, and this is something that's very, very difficult in a, in a retail environment. So they're able to uh, more, much more carefully manage their inventory, make sure the right, right products are on the shelf or at the right time. And this is also important, again, as a retail example, in the, in the back room of the store, which is usually a, a congested mess. No one can find anything. Um, again, RFID is you know, aiding there and being able to find uh, inventory that the, the records say you should have. No one can find. RFID assists in, in finding those kinds of those products in that condition. Obviously, the whole Walmart thing was big for a little while with RFID. Is that still a driver? Yeah, Walmart still remains uh, committed to RFID. I, it's going, the, the whole program's going through a transition. In Walmart, we're seeing the management of RFID move from a centralized program office, who you would expect to be evan evangelists and um, you know, very strong supporters, to operations who um, have, you know, have many different priorities. So it, that transition will take some time. Um, I think both uh, suppliers and Walmart are upgrading their own equipment. There's been a lot of technological advances um, made in RFID with introduction of standards, improved hardware um, over the past several years. And it, it's, 
it's going to take time for Walmart and its, its suppliers to uh, to catch up with that. Uh, will we see it be the impetus, Walmart or or even Department of Defense, other other mandated programs for RFID may be the major impetus for RFID growth? No, we'll see the major growth spurts caused by uh, companies finding applications to deliver tremendous value back to them, and, and in many, many cases. This is why you don't hear them, uh, significant market differentiation. How can customers and potential customers best take advantage of, of the market situation now? I think that what uh, customers or potential end users of this software should first think of is how rapidly the pace of their business is, is changing. Uh, are they, they, they expect it to provide information in a matter of hours or even minutes versus days 10 years ago. Um, is the complexity of their business growing in terms of the requirements from customers, supplier demands? And as, as complexity grows, as, as time shortens in which to react to, to market conditions, uh, very definitely should be thinking about you know, supply chain applications. Now, if we think about the Internet, this has caused the large, huge growth in, in supply chain. If we think of the Internet as just one big free network, where uh, we can go on and we can communicate, we can correspond with, with partners, customers, or service providers, and we can do it in real time. You know, it opens up whole worlds, uh, and we're not, we're not constricted by um, technologies like EDI or um, you know, point-to-point integration that we were before. Uh, that there's, a, there's a whole world out there that uh, is now working in real time and has visibility and you know, transparency of, of the process. And uh, it's our position here as, as you manage uncertainty and, and supply chain management, in its essence, is the management of uncertainty. As you get more transparency uh, within those processes, you see what your suppliers are doing, you see where your shipments are, you see, you've seen whether your customers have received um, your products as uh, requested or not. You can make much better decisions in terms of um, what inventory to build, when to build it, how much to build it, where to stock it, and what kind of uh, transportation mode you you should put it on. You can track it. You'll be able to gather that data and, and analyze it. So that's uh, you know my my recommendation to people that are new to automation or have manual processes today, Excel spreadsheets, or, or probably working with applications that were developed in the in the early 90s. It's speed, velocity, and it's transparency to data, to information. How far would that go in satisfying the market requirements your company sees today? Well, that's all I had, John. Thanks so much for joining okay. us today. My pleasure. And that does it for this edition of the SearchSAP.com podcast series on supply chain management. Until next time. Thanks for joining us.